Hi everyone, I'm Margot Faraci. Welcome to Heart and Hustle, How to Thrive in a Crisis. In this podcast series, we hope to help the community learn, normalise and thrive in these unprecedented times with lessons from leaders in a range of fields about their experiences and insights during coronavirus. Today, I'm talking with Gemma Fordham. Amazingly, she started her career in radio at just 14 and she's risen through the ranks to now hold one of the most senior positions in radio as head of the Hit Network, which includes over 50 stations and some of Australia's biggest radio brands, such as Today FM and Fox FM. Over the past two decades, Gemma has helped shape some incredibly impressive careers. She spent eight years in the US working with Nicole Kidman, her dear friend, initially with her as executive assistant and then as a producer and creative executive for her film company, Blossom Films. Wendy Harmer has been a great mentor from early in her career and both Carrie Bickmore and Jackie O are close confidants. In 2017, Gemma was named Telstra Victorian Businesswoman of the Year. She has two young boys and recently, and remarkably, found time to complete an executive MBA on top of leading hundreds of staff at Southern Cross Stereo, home to the Hit Network. Gemma Fordham, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So, Gemma, there's so much I want to ask you, so much about radio that I want to ask you, so much about the environment you're in and how you've had to change and adapt to what's going on. But firstly, what I'd like to do is just hear about you personally and how you've navigated the last six months or so and what you've learned. Yeah, I... um... I'm going to do my best to answer this as succinctly as possible, but it is quite a long answer. I'd say that I've fundamentally changed as a person in the last six months, which I recognise is a really bold statement to say, (laughs) but um, I really have. Um, You know, in the beginning of of COVID and lockdown, I think like a lot of people, um, Dan Murphy's was a regular occurrence for my husband and I in the beginning. But then um, I really consciously after about a week or two thought, this is a strange time. And I want, I, I really made the decision consciously that I wanted to use the time wisely and that I wanted to grow. And um, I think I was also forced because I was forced to stop. And like so many of us, we were forced to stop. But my usual life was constantly on planes every week, um, visiting various markets across the country, that feeling like I was always trying to catch my breath. And sometimes, um, you know, I'd race from the airport to be there for something for the kids and then I'd put them to bed and then I'd race back to the airport when they were asleep to fly to the next market. And it was this, it was just constant busyness. Um, And I think when everything stopped, it was quite confronting because I think everyone at first is like, oh, this is a nice little break. (laughs) And then I really started to do some soul searching. And um, I guess what I uncovered was the best way I can probably try and articulate it is that if I think of like, if we're at the the core of us is at the centre and then there are layers of us around us where we wear our different hats. So, you know, the work layer, the work Gemma, the mum Gemma, Mm. the wife Gemma, the friend Gemma, And what I realised was that I had somehow in the last, you know, 10 years, I feel like, lost sense of the core, which was just Gemma. And it wasn't that I felt like I was doing a bad job of the other layers, but I kind of felt like I'd lost, yes, I'd lost the essence of who I was. And... um, I, I'm a reader by nature. I love reading. And so I started to read a lot over the COVID period. And 
Um, I read Untamed, like a lot of women have, um, which I thought was terrific. But there was a book that really resonated with me, which was is called um, Into the Magic Shop, which is by Dr. James Doty. And um, if you're not familiar with it, he's a neurosurgeon, um, top neurosurgeon, and he is um, also at Stanford and runs a program there around the um, neuroplasticity of the brain around mindfulness and compassion. And so I read this book and it really did, for me, um, give me a bit of a wake-up call. And in the sense that I um, had learnt Transcendental Meditation, or TM, um, at the beginning of the year, conveniently, and like most things, it just drifted off because there was never time. I don't have time to meditate. How am I meant to have time to meditate? And by the way, TM means you have to meditate twice a day. So I, you know, I learned it in January and in the space of two weeks, I wasn't doing it anymore. Like, you know, life got in the way and there was always a reason why I couldn't do it, you know. And so I read this book and I started meditating again every day, twice a day, and I made choices to do that. So I get up at 5.45 so that I can meditate. And what I found is that by doing that every day um, and now been doing it for six months and just putting myself first, I feel like a much better version of myself. I feel much happier, much um more gratitude and all those things that I've heard about at conferences and heard speakers talk about and in my head thought, yeah, I I think I've got that. And I think that's what I would say is that I really recognised that I actually needed to do some some service to myself. And um, yeah, I think that's really for me been the biggest change over the last six months. And I'd like to say for all those reasons, it's made me a better leader and a better mother. And I'm far more compassionate to myself now. You know, I used to lay in bed at night um, and think of all the things I didn't do and punish myself for all the ways I could have been a better mum. Like, oh, I, I did, you know, Vegemite sandwich and all the other kids' mums do, you know, probably like salad sandwich. Like I would literally analyse stuff and I'd wake up throughout the night, all throughout the night, and send myself emails of stuff to do the next day, which I now recognise is very unhealthy. But now I don't do that and I instead I lay in bed at night and I tell myself all the things I did that day that were good. So I'll say you're a great mum, you actually, you know, did this today or you're a really great friend because you checked in on this person. And I know that sounds can sound quite confronting and egotistical, but in fact it's actually really been quite generous and kind to yourself and that, for me, has been a, a massive game changer. Sorry for the very long answer, Marco. Oh, there's so much <laughs> um, I want to say. Now, I swear, listeners, I swear... <laughs> We did not talk about this before. I've been doing transcendental meditation no way. for years. Oh, okay, years. great. And we could so just okay. spend the next hour on that. Great. I'm not sure that's that's not... going to be of service to our listeners, but let's come back to it because it is. I'm evangelical about it, and it's life changing. It really is life changing, and so and it's free, and it's legal, yep. and you can do it anywhere, it's... and it makes you feel better, right? It's just simple. And I don't know about you, but when I was first being taught, I was um, taught through a guy, Steve Griffiths, you might know, and he runs a TM thing here in Australia, I think. And uh, I just heard all these benefits and I was very (laughs) sceptical. I saw and everyone was preaching about it and I was like, oh gosh. And like I said, I had did it for two weeks and I was like, I don't have time for this. Mm. But as soon as I made the choice after reading that amazing book and actually finding out other than drugs, um, the only research that is out there that's, is, that supports the, the changing of the chemicals in your brain and obviously the receptors in your brain is TM. And so that's where I thought, oh, just 
commit to it, Gemma. Like, stop finding excuses. Because you commit to everything. You're disciplined you commit, about everything you else. You have a shower every day, every yeah. morning. Well, how is it? You know, that's not an option. So that's the way I framed it in my head. So, yes, um, I'm now, you know, almost nine months in and I can hand, hand on heart say I agree with you. It's completely changed my life. That's so great. What a great story. I want to come back to that because you've really had, you do have one of the most high-profile roles in radio and a lot of pressure. But in terms of the business in the last few months, we've talked about how you've changed in your own personal life and in your leadership, but what are the challenges you've faced in the business? Well, the interesting thing is that that whole saying of the show must go on. Yeah. Um, And for us as a radio network, obviously I'm responsible for the hit network, um, we it wasn't optional, you know. That if if anything, people relied on us more than ever because they needed company and they wanted to have that connection and that comfort. And so, the business challenge was probably in the early days having to move very quickly to remote broadcasting. And without going into all the nitty gritty of that, you know, I think at one point we had about sixty seven people broadcasting from home. Really? Now that is not an easy feat, and I have to give huge, you know, credit and kudos to our technology team and our engineering team who, you know, managed to make that possible for us. But even our shows, even today as I'm as, as we're doing this, um, our two drive shows, um, Carrie and Tommy and Husey and Ed, are completely being done from home remotely, but not just the talent from home, the producers from home. And that is a, that has never happened before. And I think the whole radio industry has had to face this, but the challenges of suddenly you've got executive producers who are answering listener phone calls into the radio station but actually in their lounge rooms and then putting them through to go on air remotely like it has just blown our minds what we've had to adapt to no doubt with kids rolling around in the yeah, background all that business totally, totally. Yeah. um and I think the thing is is that we feel a real responsibility because it is times when times get tough people do turn to radio even more so and so our listening habits, are what, what we've observed as an industry, is that it's increased quite significantly. I think it's about 35%. So really, it's the, the biggest challenge has been trying to make sure that we're servicing the audience and that we're giving them what they need. And of course, there's different market nuances. You know, at the moment, our Victorian audiences have a very different expectation and experience compared to our WA or, you know, Northern Queensland. So it's really trying to cater to to all of that. So that's been a challenge, I'd say as well. Well, I do want to ask you about that because radio has a timelessness. You know, it endures through the decades, through wars, through all kinds of catastrophes. It's a friend to the lonely, as you said, and it's a real connection to the outside world, sometimes when you don't have a different connection. And from my my perspective, I think we need radio now more than ever. There must be a huge responsibility that goes with that. So particularly in a crisis, in terms of getting the facts right, getting the updates right, and really striking the right tone to get the information out, but ensuring you don't cause panic. And you've got to make the business thrive commercially. So how do you think through all of that? Yes, I look, I'm very lucky I have such an incredible team. So it really has been a team effort. And I think in the very beginning, it was COVID, COVID, COVID. And um, we were just trying to service lots of information to the audience. And that's what was being requested from the audience. 
But that became fatiguing very quickly. And that's when we really drew a line in the sand. And as a group, I discussed it with my team and we really feel felt that we needed to deliver what people come to us for normally. And what they normally come to us for is to provide engaging content, to be an escape. And so we really went back to, you know, firm on being an escape for people. And that didn't mean we weren't informing people, but we did it in small doses. And in your way. That and was in our true way. to your listeners. Yeah. That's right. And so we really tried to focus on being entertaining and funny and giving people that relief that they've needed. Um, so that's probably where we went. And also wanting, to, you know, we have had exceptional vulnerability on the air as well because whether if you're an announcer and you have the kids at home with you and you know whether that's Fifi Box or, or Carrie Bickmore they've displayed great vulnerability on the air and they've broken down often and said I'm this is really hard and I'm in a really like crap place right now and people need to hear that because that's relatable and then you realize that you're not on your own so we've had this kind of odd thing of wanting to do the right thing by the audience in providing them escapism, but equally giving them an opportunity to make them realise that they're not alone. And, you know, as so many people move to working from home, suddenly the radio was quite common. People were using their smart speakers at home. We've never seen the radio once at home as much as we have over the last six months because it was just about having some company there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and of course, you know, there are all these things like the music. We were very particular about the music we've been programming to make sure it's a bit more uplifting. And, and that was part of our strategy as well. So, um, yeah, I think I think we've, I, you know, we've really tried to do a good job. And I think we felt a social responsibility to, to, to do that. And we've also tried new things. One of the things we did do was uh, very quickly, because I'm so passionate about mindfulness, is um, we introduced Ash London, one of our terrific announcers. She um, was doing three minutes, um, Ash London's three mindful minutes every day on air. And we're a commercial hit radio network. Um, the first time that it went to air, I was sitting in my office and it literally like made me nervous, which is a good thing because it, I wanted it to stand out and I wanted it to be so unusual that it made people stop and listen. And that's exactly what happened. We've had the most incredible feedback we had over the last six months was over those three minutes that we did every day. And from men who said, I've just lost my job, I'm sitting in my car and I was feeling like the worst person. How am I going to go home and tell my family I've lost my job? And at that exact moment, that mindfulness came on and the whole se segment today was about breathe deeply or was about you are enough. And so as much as our responsibility is to entertain people and be company, we we're huge social responsibility in this type of climate to look after people's mental health. You know, we, we have a, an incredible platform. It would have been um, very selfish of us not to use it wisely. I'm so glad you're running the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's so Thank great you. to hear. So, you know, on that and that responsibility and I guess that feeling of, oh, my God, I've just dedicated three minutes of air time to mindfulness. What was I thinking? What's going to happen? You know, you can take risks in a crisis. Yes. That's, that's, that's what you get to do. You've, you've previously spoken about not being afraid of failure. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. Um, yes, I used to when I was younger, I think probably like a lot of people, I would be really hard on myself and I'd be scared of failing. So in my, my internal dialogue to myself would be like, oh, but what if I fail? And if I fail, I'm going to let everyone down. If I fail, I'm going to let myself down. I'm going to let my team down. 
um, it was always this kind of fear. And and failure, this is just my opinion, failure is um, is really about fear. And fear is a very dangerous place to be in. I don't think you do your best work as a person when you're led by fear. And so I started to reframe it. And I reframed it just for me because I'm in a creative industry and by its very nature, you got to try things. <laughs> That's creativity. Um, you just have to. Yeah. Um, and I'm super creative. So I needed to, I was conscious that I wasn't necessarily harnessing my full creativity if I kept blocking myself with, with mm. being afraid of failure. And so I just twisted the language in my head and I reframed it for myself and I reframed it to trying. And I felt like suddenly the the vernacular that had been in my head, it went from um, what happens if I fail, I will let everyone down. And I reframed it to if I don't try, I'm letting myself down. And um, that's what it was for me. It, it literally was that. Um, and I've really tried, I've tried to live by that. And I have a saying with my team, we don't use the word failure at all. It's a very negative word. Um, and also I think there are cultures in the world. I was really fortunate to spend some time at Berkeley University when I was doing my MBA recently. And, you know, if, if I was blown away by the, that culture that exists in Silicon Valley is that, that they don't believe in failure. You know, for every, for every, you know, I can tell you now of for every good idea that I've had, there have probably been 90 shit ones. And the thing is, is it doesn't stop me from coming up with the ideas. It doesn't stop me from saying to other people, yep, I love that idea. Let's just try it. And I think that's probably what I've tried to embrace is that even though it's, I'm not saying it doesn't make me nervous or it doesn't scare me, even like my example before, but that shouldn't be enough to not try and not trying to me is worse. You know, my yoga teacher says when I'm in this impossible pose, I'm not very good at it. I'm into into it, right? For some same reason, I'm into meditation. I'm not very good at it either, but it does things for me. And I'm in this impossible pose that I can't do and I'm about to fall over. And she just says... If you fall over, it just means you're trying. Yeah. And in the end, what is failure? It's yeah. only failure if you call Like, you know, yeah. we define what our own failure is. I could listen to you all day, <laughs> Gemma. Um, we are out of time. I would just like to hear, you know, what do you think the priorities are for radio in the next six months as we navigate this great uncertainty? Look, I think radio has proven time and time again that it is critical to our culture. And I think for us, as we continue, you know, there's been so many things that were supposedly going to kill radio. You know, we've heard, you know, Video Kill the Radio Star and, you know, all these things, you know, music streaming services is going to kill radio. It couldn't be further from the truth. Our audiences are bigger than they've ever been. Mm. So um, I think that also comes from the human nature of a desire for connection. And so as, so, as long as we keep investing as an industry in really great talent and really solid premium content, um, and we have that localism, you know, there's, we, the biggest th- gift we have is the localism and the immediacy. You know, we, we, we literally are able to go on air within seconds and, and talk to millions and, of people. And change a conversation. Totally. Yeah. And, and I think that comes, that, that has been, you know, a huge gift to us as an industry, but is so necessary now in the world that we're in. So I see as an industry that hopefully we will continue to to service our audiences well and and grow them and and you know radio is about having diverse portfolio as well you know yes we have radio but we also have audio on demand and we also have podcasting and that's all part of our audio business and so hopefully you know we'll just get more ears listening <laughs>
Gemma, I've learned so much. Thank you for sharing yourself today and thank you for your time. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Now I'm going to pick your brain as the mics go off about TM. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I hope from this you've got some ideas and some themes about how to thrive in a crisis. Now, you can definitely hit the subscribe button if you want to hear more of the show and give us a rating as well. Thanks again for listening. See you soon. Thank you.